Hi, this is Nancy Jones, and you're listening to Life Minute TV. Hi, this is Ken Abraham, and you are listening to Life Minute TV. She's the woman behind one of country's greatest artists of all time, George Jones. All it took was your sweet love. And now Nancy Jones is giving us an intimate look into her husband's life through the lens of their more than 30 years of marriage in her new memoir, Playin' Possum. Millions of people know the name of the iconic country singer, but few people know that behind the man and his golden voice was a strong, feisty woman who not only saved his life from abusive behaviors, but also his soul. Nancy doesn't shy away from telling his full story, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We sat down with her and book editor and New York Times bestselling author Ken Abraham to learn all about it. This is a Life Minute with Nancy Jones. I wanted to tell the true story of uh, George Jones. You know, George, bless his heart, he's got so many stories out there. and Some of them are true, some of them are not. And so when I had uh, COVID real bad and died in the hospital, I died for 10 minutes without a pulse and uh, lost all my hair and 70% of my right lung and had to learn how to walk again, was down to 92 pounds, hospital months and months. And laying in that hospital, I'm thinking, you know, nobody could ever really tell the story of George Jones except me. We were together 32 years, married 30 years. So I just felt like it was God brought me back to tell this story. Well, I first met Nancy a few years back whenever I was working on another project with another country music artist, Randy Travis. And everybody said, if you really want to know how Randy and George Jones interacted, and George, George looked at Randy as a son, and Randy looked at George as a father, really did. Uh, he said, you really need to talk to Nancy Jones. So I set up an appointment and met with Nancy Jones, and boy, she had some incredible stories. And most, <laughs> yeah, of, those, most of those ended up in Randy's book, yeah. too, I think. And uh, so we had fun and uh, just hit it off. So when, when uh, Nancy decided she wanted to write a book, she gave me a call and said, would you be interested in working together on a book? And she told me of some of her experience that she had just mentioned about almost dying and that, that God had brought her back to life to tell the story. I said, I'm in. I want to help. I want to, I want to be a part of this. I didn't always want to do a book, just laying in that hospital, you know, months at a time, your your brain's just going like, what can I do? You know, I don't want to leave this world, which I already left then, came back, but <laughs> I didn't right. want to leave this world and not be able to tell my story of George and to tell it to his fans and let them know the truth. And in this book, I, I didn't sugarcoat anything. I told the truth. And uh, even though it hurt, and I cried, and I laughed, and but I, I wanted this, the real truth out there. We had a good time. And Nancy's a great storyteller on her own. She probably could have written a book without me for sure. No. But, but thank you for including me. I appreciate it a lot. Uh, but she's a great storyteller. But there's, there's a lot of information out there about George Jones. And as Nancy said, some of it is true, but a lot of, a lot of it is misinformation. A lot of it are down, just downright lies, things that have been written for years and years. And so this is a real wonderful opportunity for Nancy to say, okay, this is, this is really what happened. And I spent 32 years with this man. I know him better than anybody in the world. And I can tell you the true story. And so that's what we've tried to do in this book. And we did have some fun. We, we shed some, some tears because sometimes even as a, as a writer, you almost feel like you're taking a knife and scraping across wounds that have not had a chance to heal yet. 
And even though some of these things that Nancy experienced in the book, and some of them are pretty graphic, uh, some of those things happened a long time ago. When you start talking about them again, they trigger those emotions and the responses. And, and we went through some of that, didn't we? So there were some yeah. tears, but there were also some, some really fun laughs because going through all the pictures and the music and, and the life that she shared with George Jones, just incredible. Uh, the most incredible for me was the fact that George didn't like the song, He Stopped Loving Her Today. No, he didn't. He didn't like that. One of the greatest songs ever written, one of the greatest country songs ever recorded, and George didn't like it. And he bet Billy Sherrill, the producer, he, uh, Billy bet him that it was going to be a hit song, and George said, no, nobody's going to want, nobody's going to want to hear that morbid, and he said, S-O-B song. Uh, <clears throat> so nobody's going to want to hear that song, and Billy said, I'll bet you a hundred bucks. And, uh, and George lost that bet because millions of people have heard that song and still hearing it today around the world, hearing George Jones sing, He Stopped Loving Her Today. That was a surprise to me. I love it, yes. He stopped loving her today. It's a, it's a very sad song. <laughs> it is a sad song. There's a lot of sadness in Nancy's life as she stood by her husband through the darkest hours of his addiction. We asked her how to support a loved one struggling with addiction. You gotta believe in the good Lord. You've got to ask God to help you, and you've got to love the person you're working with. And as George used to say, you can't nag me. So, <laughs> but I didn't, but without Jesus Christ, I would have never been able to do what I did, and neither could he. So, you know, he, he always gave me credit for him, you know, getting over all of this stuff, but I, I give it to him and the good Lord. And George went to several different rehab centers for help on, on a couple of different times during his life. But he found a way, even in the rehab center, sometimes to get drugs and, and that sort of thing, came out of the rehab worse than, than he went in. And so that wasn't enough. There, there needed to be something in George, and Nancy knew that, that there was a good man in there and her faith and belief in God and belief in George, she wasn't going to give up. And she knew that, that if, if she could get him away from that stuff, he could be the man that, that she really wanted him to be and that George wanted to be. That was the best part. What I wanted to really get across in this book is that all you gotta do is reach your hand out and God's gonna take you and he's gonna help you. All you gotta do is believe. And once you start believing in Jesus Christ, he's not gonna make it really hard for you. He is gonna walk you through it and he's gonna help you. And that's what I, I want to help a lot of people that say, oh, I can't do it. I quit. I'm not going to do it. All you've got to do is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you can do anything you want to do. And that's coming from a woman who went through quite a lot uh, along that road. And, and George put her through quite a lot, too, as you know. Some of those things were just really ugly and not easy to get through. But Nancy wouldn't give up, and she had the faith to hang in there with George and prayed for him. And, uh, and, and, and you weren't, what we would say, a spiritual giant or anything like that. No. But she just had a simple faith that, that God could do something in this man, and, and I'm not going to give up. So how did the couple first meet? No, that one's a funny one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was not into country music at all. I'm a Credence Clearwater girl, honey. Give me Credence and I Old could clean. Old time rock and roll. I could clean a house in 10 minutes and turn that music up. My house yeah. will be clean. But the thing is, I did not like country music. But whenever my girlfriend kept begging me to go to New York, I don't want to go by myself. Please go with me. I'm like, I don't want to go. I haven't lost anything in New York. But um, I came with her. 
And that night after his show, well, before, when I was watching him on the stage, I'm like, hi in the world, is that man singing those songs? And he's not even opening his mouth. <laughs> I couldn't understand that. I'm like, golly, but he was wonderful. So then I started liking country music. And then also that night, he just talked and talked and talked. It was like he was spilling his heart out. Somebody's gonna listen to me. And I did, and, and I heard a lot of things that I knew that he was crying for help. And by the time that it was time for me to go home, he was like, I don't want you to go. Well, I'm like, I got a job, I got two girls, I'm going. Well, I flew home commercial, <laughs> which he chartered a plane. And when I landed after I'd been at airports all day long, when I got to my house, there was a strange car there he had rented him a car too and was sitting in my driveway and the rest is history. <laughs> 32 years later, that's right. 32 years is quite the feat. What are her tips for a long successful marriage? You gotta have patience. I know that there's so many people get married and they take advantage of, uh, you know, for being with them the rest of your life. And if you've taken that oath, then you should mean that oath. And if you get mad at somebody, and, and next thing you say, and I'm gonna get a divorce. No, talk it out and quit talking it out with other people. They do not know what you two are going through. It's none of their business. It's between you and your husband. And if you can do that, you can save your marriage. And don't ever go to bed. It doesn't matter how mad you are. Don't go to bed without saying, I love you, because you never know if that's the last night. I think my fondest memory of George Jones is when I heard him pray to God that if I can get over, because he hit that bridge and died and, and twice in the helicopter, and that was in 1999. And when I heard him praying, God, if I, you get me through this, I'll never touch a cigarette, I'll never touch liquor again, I will be the husband my wife wants, and that was my fondest member as many times as I heard him say, I won't drink tomorrow, I won't do it tomorrow. Well, I didn't believe him then, but when it, he did it this time, I believed him. And so that was from 99 to 2013, almost 14 years, I had the perfect husband. Ah, yeah. And I, I think one of the things too that, was, that struck me, Chris, uh, the, uh, just the happiness that they shared as a couple for all those those years, going through the tough times, but then the happy times also. Uh, some friends of ours told us a story that, um, so they went into a restaurant outside of Nashville and they heard these people laughing like crazy, just <laughs> laughing uproariously and hilariously. And they looked around the corner and there's George Jones and Nancy Jones just having the time of their life, just having dinner and just laughing and just enjoying being together. Because funny. He could say things that you'd be on the floor laughing and he's like, what are you laughing at? He was just a funny person and didn't even know he was funny, but he was a very caring person. So, you know, your heart will feel all of this and you'll know that you're gonna fight for this man and you're, you're gonna get those demons out of him. And like I said to Ken, you got one demon out, you thought, well, I did good. Well, the next thing you know, there's some more in there. So it was, it was a, a battle, but I didn't mind fighting that battle. He like, him was riding around. I, I'm like, you know, 
I hate getting in the car every morning and riding around. But you want me to tell what <laughs> I ahead, did? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he was the type that could jump up, put his baseball cap on. Let's go. Well, hello, I'd like to put some makeup on. I'd like to comb my hair. Well, one morning, he's already in the garage honking the horn. I'm like, hmm, this is going to make me mad. So he was honking the horn. Well, I'm trying to get dressed. So here I go through the house. I had my panties on and no bra because he's mad because I hadn't come out yet. So I go out. I sat down in the car just like that. And uh, he didn't look over there because he was, he was bad. You know, ready he to go. He was bad. Yeah. So um, we had a long driveway. So I was like, oh, God, please let him look over here. <laughs> and he got all the way down to where the gate was. He looked over and said, what are you doing? Get in the house and put some clothes on. He never honked that horn again. Never did. Never. Did. never. <laughs> he learned a lesson on that He one. did. Yeah. He did. I think a lot of people thought George was mean, and Nancy can speak to that very uh, a lot better than I can even, but a lot, a lot of people thought George Jones was mean because they knew that he had an, an addiction to cocaine. They knew that he, he drank a lot, and it was common uh, in the music business that George was sometimes out of control. Oh, and, very much so. <laughs> yeah, and missed a lot of concerts. He was known as No-Show Jones for a lot of years until until Nancy helped him get, get along on that. But... Um, but there was this other part of him that people didn't know, that Nancy has known all these years, that we want to come through in the book, and I think it has. Um, I hope it has. I believe it has. But that George was also just this, this wonderful person who had such a kind heart, compassion, willing to help other people. Uh, most of the young musicians in Nashville, Tennessee, look at George Jones as a hero. Uh, look at him as, uh, that's the kind of the guy that has, I want to be because he just had such an incredible ability, but also because of the way he lived outside of those, those times of cocaine and, and alcohol addiction. So, He was really a wonderful man. He just could not beat the life that he had of drinking. Mm. And, and once that was gone, oh my gosh, it was, it was fun. He was, he was always funny, but you know, you knew if he had a drink or two that it was fixing to start. It was going to be a bad day. But all of that, when that was gone, you couldn't have asked for a better person. And kind. He, he, the, 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 the children you thought had cancer. He was, oh, gosh. He was so concerned about. Yeah, we were in Canada on the bus, and I pulled the curtain back, and I said, George, look at those kids. It was about 10 of them out there. They had no hair. He said, oh, my God, those kids have cancer. Get them a T-shirt. And, and a CD and a cap. I said, okay. He said, and I'll sign them. So he's signing all of this, and here comes the road manager, and he said, what are you doing? And George said, well, Nancy opened that curtain, and all them kids down there's got cancer. I wanted to give them something. And he said, they have head lice. They have cancer at all. They have head yeah, lice. They, their mom <laughs> shaved their head. He said, well, I don't care. I still want to give yeah. it to them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We also learned that the name of the memoir, Playing Possum, George's nickname wasn't his favorite in the beginning. Because that was his nickname, Possum. And when they, he first got that name from Ralph Emery and Tommy T. Contrary, he, a disc jockey, he hated it. And what they did on some album cover, if you looked this away at him, he had that little turned up nose <laughs> and uh, that little burr haircut, he called it. He looked like a possum. And he actually hated it. 
But then whenever would he'd do a show or something and somebody would holler, hey, Possum, love you, Possum. He's like, man, I kind of like that. Right. So Possum stuck. And that was why I wrote the book, Playing Possum. Still playing Possum today, yeah. Well, there was a concert that uh, took place in Alabama a couple months ago um, where Nancy had a number of, of, of major country artists come. And the whole idea was we're still playing Possum. We're still playing Possum's music. And they did. Uh, every one of those artists, 30, 32 artists? 32 of them. And you invited each one of them personally, right? I did. I called each and every one of them. It was his 10th anniversary of his death. I called each and every one of those artists, and not a one said no. And they were there, and they sung one of his songs, and it was just a, a magical, magical it night was, that night. Yeah. You got Tanya Tucker. You got Jelly Roll. Yeah. You've yeah. got uh, Brad Paisley, uh, Dirks Bentley, Winona. Uh, good gosh, uh, Joe Nichols. Uh, Winona Judd, yeah. Winona Judd. It, just really big artists, and not a, one of them said, hey, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And it, it just, one led to another, another, another. It, it just, it was just wonderful, it was, just wonderful. It was just incredible. One of the most touching moments of that whole concert evening was when uh, Randy Travis came out on the yep. on, came out on stage. Randy just loved George Jones, loved Nancy Jones. Randy cannot sing. He's had a stroke back in 2013, not really right before George passed away, uh, or right after George passed away. Right after, <clears throat> and he couldn't sing, but he wanted to be there that night for Nancy and and to honor George. And, and when, when he just came out, it was just a really touching moment, wasn't it? Oh, I, I was crying my eyes out because I remember Randy, you know, big tough Randy and. Him and George in the studio singing, and George trying to out sing him. He, he's trying to out sing George, and then when he walks out, you know, have to have help to walk on the stage. I was bawling. I was crying so hard, but I was just glad he was able to just come out there, and the fans just went crazy. They did. It was music at its best, and especially country music at its best. I love uh, Jamie Johnson. I love Dirk Bentley. Uh, why not? Oh my God, you can't help but love that woman. She's got a voice that won't stop. I, I love the, the ones that really sing country music. Old time country. Old time country. <clears throat> Tradi and traditional that, country. Uh, that Jamie Johnson, I'm so proud of him. He has come such a long way. Yeah. And that night at the show, him and Winona did Golden Rings, and it was just a beautiful, beautiful redemption of that. It was just cold chill bumps. <laughs> my best life advice believe in the good Lord once you believe in God you're going to feel so much better I mean just whenever I was in that hospital and I never cried not one time the whole months I was in there but I felt light I felt like I was floating you know and it's when you accept the good Lord I can't tell you how you're going to feel but you will know the difference. You will know that God is with you in every step you take. And I know that God is with me. And when I was doing this book, I have to say, I'm thinking, you know, there is some bad things in here that George did, but I wanted to tell the truth. And I thought, I'm not, I'm not gonna do this book. And my business manager looked at me and said, it's not your book, it's God's book. And that's why that I continue to do this book. And I'm just, I'm just blessed to know 
that God is with me. Every step I take, I know if I reach my hand out, He's going to grab it. And it's a feeling you cannot explain unless you have accepted the good Lord. And as for what Nancy thinks George's best advice would be? He would probably say, don't do what I did. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And he would also say that I wish that I would have listened a long time ago. Yeah. And he was raised uh, in the church. He was raised Pentecostal. His mother was, and he sung in church. And he'll probably say, I wished I would have listened to my mom when I was younger and not do the things that I did. But I think that's what he would say. And he would also say that he's proud of me for going out there and telling the truth, even if it hurts. He was the one that never would lie to you. If he was drunk, he was drunk. I remember one night he missed a show. So two nights later, the show was rescheduled. And I said, George, don't go out there and tell him you were drunk. Just say you were sick. He looked at me like, oh, yeah, okay. He goes on the stage, and the first thing he says, but you put me under the bus. My wife wanted me to tell y'all that I was sick, but I was not. (laughs) I was just drunk. And I'm like, thanks for putting me under the bus. But that's how he was. Yeah, honest. And and he was an honest person. Yeah. And one of the things, too, that he always said, too, is step right up and come on in, right? Yep. Step Uh, right up, come on in. And I have that. When uh, at the gravesite, well, I guess I can tell you another funny one. We bought like 60-something plots out there. When he was still alive, he kept looking for, I'm going to be buried here. You're going to be buried here. I said, we don't need 68 plots. He looked at me and said, I'm not going to be crowded out here. I'm like, oh, my God, you're going to be dead. You can't. Wow. He's not going to be crying. But then the funeral home put a fence all the way around it. Well, I went out there, and they had closed the gates, and I just didn't like it. So I went up to them, and I said, y'all can't close the gates. I will never, ever let George's fans not come in here. So they put me a big sign up there that says, step right up, come on in. There you go. I'm going to keep his memory alive because I'll tell you, there was nobody loved country music any more than George Jones. And I'm going to keep it alive by doing this book also, but also by having people to remember him about how he fought so hard to sing country music and he felt country music and he was given that golden voice by God. And I just feel like you know, doing the things that I'm doing now, even like doing that tribute show and anything that I can grab on, I will to keep George's legacy alive. At the cold, cold ground, I'm sleeping To see more of this interview, visit our website, lifeminute.tv. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, Life Minute TV.